It's just, you know, every artist just has one album that's just not good, and that's it. Honestly, I listen to that, and I'm just like, what is this piece of shit I'm listening to? Do I even know this artist? What the fuck was he thinking? Don't fucking talk to me like that, you little prick. I'm so sorry. What you did was very spiteful, but it was also very brave and very honest, and I respect you for doing that, but the content of what you said has made me hate you. Welcome to Narratively Speaking, the podcast that explores the power of story in all its forms, its role in society, and how it helps to shape the ideas we think we believe in. I'm your work-in-progress host, Harv, and today I'm going to do one of those episodes where we talk about a person and the story they tell. And I've chosen today's subject because I've been a big fan for a long time. But by the same token, I've had a bit of a love-hate relationship with. And since he's in the intro, there's no point in building up the mystery. So today we're talking about the story that Russell Brand tells. Now, I first heard about Russell Brand uh, when he had his film career, I guess. Um, I honestly don't remember the first time. Possibly one of his movies, Forgetting Sarah Marshall or something like that, evidenced by the fact that i don't remember it. It was not a particularly noteworthy thing. I, I I didn't become a fan. I certainly didn't even particularly like his work. I didn't particularly like him. As far as I could tell, he was just brought in to be that sort of exotic, sexy foreigner with an accent and a bit of chest hair. And to be honest, it probably triggered a bit of, I don't know, jealousy or whatever, sexual competition, as if there was ever going to be a situation where Russell Brand and I were vying for the same lady, but it's instinct. I can't help it. If I could turn it off, I would. But anyway, I was never really a huge fan of Russell Brand's comedy. I'm more a fan of his YouTube channel, The Trues, and more recently, his podcast, Under the Skin. But there was a certain point in Brand's career where he suddenly appeared in the media as this kind of angry revolutionary. And that really resonated with me at the time. Uh, he started popping up and saying things like, we need a revolution, you know, banking's a scam, all of that kind of stuff. And I was in the process of discovering some of that information for myself and coming to the same conclusions. So to see a Hollywood celebrity stand up and validate some of these concerns and ideas was quite gratifying. And I guess uh, looking back in a way that highlights the false power that celebrity has over people. If a celebrity validates it, it must be true, uh, when in fact, we should probably think of things in the opposite way. But at the time, I was still in the paradigm, and I just found it gobsmacking to hear someone say some of these things out loud. You don't have to listen to my political point of view, but it's not uh, that I'm not voting out of apathy. I'm not voting out of absolute indifference and weariness and exhaustion from the lies, treachery, deceit of the political class that has been going on for generations now and which has now reached fever pitch where we have a disenfranchised, disillusioned, despondent underclass that are not being represented by that political system. So voting for it is tacit complicity with that system and that's not something I'm offering up. You don't believe in democracy. No, you want a revolution, don't you? The plan 
planet is being destroyed, we are creating an underclass, we are exploiting poor people all over the world, and the genuine legitimate problems of the people are not being addressed by our political class. All of those things may be true. They are true. I wouldn't argue with you about many of them. Well, how come I feel so cross with you? It can't just be because of that beard. It's gorgeous. It's possibly because... And if the Daily Mail don't want it, I do. I'm against them. Grow it longer. You are Tangle a... it into your armpit hair. You are a very trivial man. <laughs> what do you think I am trivial? Yes. A minute ago, you were having a go at me because I want a, a revolution. Now no, I'm, I'm asking. No, I'm but, bouncing but about I'm not having place. a go at you because you want a revolution. Many Good. people want a revolution, but I'm asking you what it will be like. Well, I think what it won't be like is a huge disparity between rich and poor, where 300 Americans have the same amount of wealth as the. 85 million poorest Americans, where there is a, an exploited and underserved underclass that are being continually ignored, where, where welfare is slashed while Cameron and Osborne go to court to defend the rights of bankers to continue receiving to their bonuses. That's, That's all I'm saying. What's the scheme? The That's all I'm asking. What's the scheme? You talk vaguely about revolution. What is it? I think a socialist egalitarian system based on the massive redistribution of wealth, heavy taxation of corporations and massive responsibility for uh, energy companies and any companies that exploiting the environment, I think they should be... Ta I think the very concept of profit should be hugely reduced. Okay. David Cameron says profit isn't a dirty word. I say profit is a filthy word because wherever there is profit, there is also deficit. And there, this system currently doesn't address these ideas. So I remember coming across that Jeremy Paxman interview with Russell Brand and being extremely impressed by, well, at a minimum, the rate at which uh, Russell Brand could speak on these topics. Uh, someone who I'd seen as previously a fairly vacuous celebrity type, making the standard assumptions that he's probably not all that bright, which, you know, we know isn't really true of all of them. Definitely is of Gwyneth Paltrow, but of most of the others. They're probably quite intelligent. But yeah, uh, the fact that he could speak at such a rate about these complicated topics and speak eloquently enough that he actually made some sense was amazing. And I loved the way he was challenging authority and that he made his point and reiterated his point and would not concede to the establishment point of view. I guess there was a certain uh, childish delight in watching him make the interviewers and the establishment squirm. And I guess in a way, it also brought out the establishment's true colours in my mind. Watching them try to undermine his message was particularly humorous, as the way I saw it, they were forced to resort to schoolyard tactics. There's a confusion here. There's not you confusion, You said, John. don't vote to young people. You said, I, I Russell Brand, have never voted. I never right? will be. Yeah, John, I'm, but, but, I but, maintain but, this. But therefore, you're asking people, you don't people want people to mm -hmm. vote for... Yes, that's right. ..to determine a change in the drug law. I'm de no, no, John, that's not what's happening. What I'm doing is I'm demonstrating consensus. I'm further demonstrating that these politicians are completely out of touch. They are irrelevant, but until the revolution, this is the system that we will be using. But in effect, you are actually doing the government's work for them because the very people you're saying don't vote, young people, that's mm -hmm. who you were talking to specifically, yes, yes, right? Yes. Those are the people who are suffering the cuts. And boy, do I love it when people try to undermine someone's argument by pointing out hypocrisy because hypocrisy does not actually invalidate a point. You don't have to live something for it to be true. It does prove you to be a bit of a dickhead, but it doesn't actually address the point. And that's what I mean about schoolyard tactics. Russell Brand was out there saying, don't vote because it shows complicity in a system that you disagree with. But the establishment 
couldn't stand for that argument because there's nothing more threatening to a system than pointing out that you're giving your consent for the system to exist and showing you how to withdraw that consent. It's all about the consent of the governed, right? So they tried to undermine him, but they didn't really have an argument against it. You know, voting in a system that you don't believe in is essentially counterproductive to your cause. And I guess the other side of Russell Brand's message in those earlier years was that he was pointing out that there was potentially another option. You know, we had capitalism and representative government and all of these things. And you grow up underneath these systems and think that's the only way. Someone else uh, way smarter than me has thought about this, put it in place, and they've got the best answer. Russell Brand was saying, well, maybe it's not the best answer. And for me, at least, it opened my mind to the possibility that, hey, maybe there are other systems. And if there are, what do these other systems look like? And while he never gave the answer for what system he was advocating, he did open up the discussion. And I think that was a really important step on the road to revolution. Now, it was pretty clear at this point that Russell Brand had rejected fame. He'd been in a number of relatively mildly successful movies. He never really broke out. And I suppose you could argue that the lack of his ascension to megastardom was the reason that he went an alternative path. But I think it's probable he was quite genuine and did find that fame didn't satisfy him in the way he thought it was going to. And if you remember our episode on fame, which we did a very long time ago, that message is reiterated by a lot of Hollywood celebrities, that the fame just is never enough and that they feel like they're trying to fill an endless void. So Russell Brand at this point appeared to embark on a journey of discovery to try to find out what that missing piece was from his life that made him crave the fame. So I'll tell you another thing, right? I was poor. Now, when I was growing up, I thought it would, I wanted to be rich and famous. So like, it's a bit like, I'm not saying I'm all right, Jack, pull the ladder up, but I'm saying I lived in a place called Grey's. That place, whoever named it had a fucking sense of humor because it is great, right? <clears throat> it's in the suburbs of Essex. When I grew up there in that humdrum town, like a Morrissey lyric, I thought, I thought it would be good to be rich and famous. It would be good to be the opposite of this. It would be good to have stuff. It'd be good to have money. It'd be good to be invited to the party. Well, I've been invited, I've been in. We're having this chat in a private Swish members club in East London. It's super cool, there's bare brick walls. Everyone's double good looking. But I've been inside now. I've seen the other side of the looking glass. It ain't fucking worth it. It's not good, don't feed your soul. I still feel empty inside. I'm just, Cause I tell you why, cause the things that you're being offered can't steal what we're looking for. One of the things I've always liked about Russell Brand is that he doesn't pitch his message to the lowest common denominator. And in fact, he's said many times that he believes the intelligence of the average person is well and truly adequate enough to process the kinds of complex ideas that he talks about. I think the establishment fear when someone like Russell Brand talks about revolution, that it's going to manifest in this kind of violent, chaotic, warlike situation where people are looting and going crazy and stabbing each other and burning down buildings. And it doesn't have to be like that at all. In fact, the type of revolution that Russell Brand talks about is simply a revolution of consciousness, of understanding of empathy and love and connection. And I think that is exactly the type of revolution that we should be pursuing. And that's a pretty rare thing in the mainstream media that seem to pander to 
what they think is the lowest common denominator. And while, yes, they're driven by ratings, what rates doesn't necessarily indicate that, that that's the level of intelligence of the average person. And I think Russell Brand had an insight into that. And of course, if you're talking about replacing the systems under which society operates, you need people to be able to critically evaluate old ideas, new ideas, and at least understand where the current system is failing. So Russell Brand started the uh, Trues News channel on YouTube, and I was a bit of a fan, watched his stuff, and it sort of got to a point where it was just Russell Brand comedically critiquing news stories, and he sort of dropped the whole revolution tip after a while. And I guess that was a bit disappointing, but uh, the show was still pretty entertaining, so I kept watching. Until one day, he published a series of videos that started to look a little different from the others. We know that Ed Miliband, under cover of night, went to see Russell Brand. The Tories have reacted already, and uh, David Cameron has said, Russell Brand is a joke. Russell Brand's a joke. Well, I think the Prime Minister should be well advised to wait for the interview to come out. If Russell Brand doing an interview helps us get that message out, so be it. I haven't got time to hang out with Russell Brand. Ed Miliband, hang out with Russell Brand. He's a joke. The Conservative Party made a propaganda film full of fear. When I spoke to Ed Miliband, David Cameron, Russell Brand's a joke. Do you know what I think's a joke? 900,000 people using food banks in an apparently civilized, wealthy country. Zero hour contracts, a feeling of total antipathy, loss and despair among ordinary British people. So that's how I feel about David Cameron and the Tories. Obviously, notoriously, famously, and I think correctly, Ed Miliband came round to chat to us face to face. Now, we kept back some of that interview. For me, the bit that was most important, the bit that was most interesting, now exclusively on The Trues, here is the part of the interview that I found most encouraging. I think the way we think about politics is, is slightly faulty because the way we think about it is, it goes back to this point about, is it elect me on day one and the world is transformed? Mm. Or is it we're on a, a, a path of change? And you know, one of the things that strikes me, and this is how we're trying to change the Labour Party, I think we've been actually quite successful at this, is you've got to have a politics that is sort of rooted again in communities. Ed Miliband, says something very important, that we need a kind of politics where communities are involved, where communities are engaged. I think one of the things that came across in our interview is that there are limitations to what conventional Westminster politics can deliver. We've all been feeling that. There's so many limitations. There are sort of problems that are so entrenched, we can't even see where they begin and end. But one thing I agree very sincerely with, uh, Ed On, is that politics doesn't rain down on us. It comes from below. Movements putting pressure on governments. We have just heard the leader of the Labour Party saying that he welcomes and wants pressure from below. The Conservative Party are planning to further dismantle our community assets, to tear apart the very fabric of our society. That's not something that we can allow to happen simply because people can't be bothered or don't want to vote. I know I've been Mr. Don't Vote, but actually what I mean 
mean is politics isn't something that we can just be involved in once every five years. Democracy is for every day. What I heard Ed Miliband say is if we speak, he will listen. So on that basis, I think we've got no choice but to take decisive action to end the danger of the Conservative Party. David Cameron might think I'm a joke, but I don't think there's anything funny about what the Conservative Party have been doing to this country, and we have to stop them. So my view is this. You've got to vote Labour. You've got to get the Conservative Party out of government in this country. This bloke will be in Parliament, and I think this bloke will listen to us. So on May the 7th, vote Labour. On May the 8th, more democracy, more democracy, more power to more communities for all of us, for me, for you, for Trues, for Truesers. Subscribe here. Uh, okay. What, what, what the fuck just happened there? Did, did anyone else hear that? Uh, did Russell Brand just say vote Labour? Did Russell Brand just say vote? Where have we transported into the, the upside down world? What the fuck is going on? So good old Russ pretty much immediately had to start backpedaling from this, all of his fans went a little bit mental and turned against him in some pretty nasty ways. He started reading out comments on the truths that he'd received about this, and uh, he was called all sorts of things, from a shill to a recipient of a Millibrand gobby. What a fucking charlatan. For months, you were telling us not to vote, and now suddenly Millibrand comes on your show and you're swayed. Did he suck your dick off camera or something? That is besides the point. <laughs> Good on him. He... he put it all out there and tried to respond as best he could. But I think he realized it was a pretty massive mistake and that it was going to cost him a lot of credibility. So uh, he did start backpedaling in a sense. He said his views haven't changed and that he was uh, not quite voting for the lesser of two evils, but just trying to stave off the complete destruction of the country while they sort of plot to find a, a new system to put in place of the old one, it didn't really help much. I must admit, when I heard it, it left a pretty bad taste in my mouth. It just seemed like such a backflip, and there was a sense that it kind of had to have been orchestrated or something. It just felt so false and weird. And yeah, it just it just made everyone feel a little bit paranoid that he was always just an establishment puppet. And I guess in, in hindsight, that was a bit paranoid. I think what what really happened, and I, I can't explain it, but I think what really happened was Russell Brand had his ego stroked by a professional politician and he screwed up. He let that get to him. He let his narcissism creep back in and he made a choice to use his influence to help the guy who had said, I will listen to you, Russell. You know, we saw a similar thing happen between Alex Jones and Donald Trump in the previous election in, in the US. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how you can get to people if you're a good manipulator, I suppose. Or maybe Miller Brands was actually quite genuine. And I, yeah, I mean, I don't know, do I? But it was just such a backflip that it, it was just disconcerting. It was weird. And it made a lot of people lose interest in what Russell Brand was saying, myself included. I kind of took a break from the truths. I watched a bit of the fallout and then eventually just sort of drifted away from it. But I wasn't the only one. Russell Brand himself eventually put an end to that series. So 
He drifted on for a little while. I think it went on for another six months or a year. Uh, there were a couple of videos where he said the truce is changing or we're going to do something different. And then eventually this video was published. Hello, this is The Trues. Now, you've probably noticed that The Trues hasn't been on regularly. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I, I noticed that. Maybe you've sent the comment, why are you not doing it regularly? The reason is because I think I've reached the point, me and Gareth, who I do The Trues with, have reached the point where we think that how far can you go with this cyclical reporting on cyclical news like after a while of doing something on the news you notice that the news has a particular shape to it like stories come up but there's always the same sort of shape whether it's a celebrity scandal or the revelation of political corruption or learning about sort of corporations exercising power that negatively impacts ordinary people the way that these stories are told there's a sort of a perfect shape to it if you look at sort of say the vilification of muslims in the uk or the condemnation of mexican immigrants in the usa media behaves in a very sort of predictable and formulaic manner the other thing that you notice is that if you speak out against that process, even from a modest online platform, you become the recipient and target of such incredible condemnation that it's in a way overwhelming, in another way sort of completely understandable. But it's interesting really to become part of the news upon which you're reporting and to become, to see the machine, to feel the machine sort of on you. So, like, I think that we've gone as far as we can with the truths for now. Now, it might not surprise you to hear that that was not actually the final episode of the truths. Uh, he did bring it back after a short break, and uh, it it went on for a little while. I think at that point he was really just using the platform to promote his shows and his books and his uh, comedy specials and so on. It was quite a different show, though. He was talking more and more about spiritual stuff, uh, more about ideas, not just news stories and deconstructing the ridiculousness of the news. Uh, he was also sporting uh, a, a very sexy man bun by this point. So I think it was pretty obvious that there was something spiritual going on, changing within him that was causing a shift. And then eventually he came out and announced his new podcast, which was called Under the Skin. And this was, in my opinion, the best thing he ever did because he finally put his ego aside enough to take the attention off himself and place the spotlight on other interesting people who had something to say. And that's why I'm a big fan of his podcast. And he won me over again quite quickly by simply stepping aside and having conversations. Welcome to Russell Brand Under the Skin, my new podcast in which we, by we I mean I, get under the skin of a variety of topics, human beings, issues of the day, and possibly I get under the skin of even you, the most devoted listener, coming here perhaps to learn something, to get a new perspective on the world. And two seasons in, old Russ has managed to get a few heavy-hitting guests on the show, uh, names like 
Al Gore, Sam Harris, Adam Curtis, Jordan Peterson, Tony Robbins, uh, Candace Owens, John Ronson, Wim Hof, Darren Brown. Uh, there's been a lot of interesting people, uh, a lot of names I hadn't heard of previously, but really fascinating people with very interesting perspectives on things. Overall, the podcast has really exposed me to ideas that I don't think I would have been exposed to any other way. However, if you think this sounds like a bit of a commercial for the Under the Skin podcast, well, you couldn't be more wrong because recently Russell Brand announced that Under the Skin is going to be available exclusively on Luminary. Now, if you don't know what Luminary is, join the club. I didn't know before he said that that's what he was doing. Didn't really think about it for a while. And then I, after it registered what he was saying, I looked it up and I found that Luminary is a new podcasting platform and their business model is to take high profile podcasts like Under the Skin, put them on some kind of fixed payment scheme, I would assume, uh, basically pay Russell Brand a salary, pay for the production of the show or whatever, and then force users to pay a monthly fee to listen to those shows. Now, I mean, it's not necessarily an evil business model. Spotify does the same thing. No one's complaining about Spotify. However, they don't charge for podcasts, or at least not yet. And if Spotify started having exclusive podcasts that I could listen to because I was a subscriber, I wouldn't mind that because I'm already a subscriber to Spotify. But when it comes to Luminary, there's something about their business model. They keep having these little missteps. First of all, they started mirroring podcasts. So what happens when they do that is that the podcaster themselves doesn't know if anyone's watching the podcast because they've made a copy of the file. So the statistics are now useless. That might not sound like a big deal. It's not a big deal to me, but it's a bit of an unethical way to distribute podcasts because that is not what the model's all about. You put your RSS feed out there so that people can listen to it for free. If people can just take a copy of it and put it behind a paywall, well, aren't they just charging money for something that someone else owns and decided to put out for free? It's just a little bit distasteful, in my opinion. Now, as soon as they got caught doing this, uh, they fixed it all up. There's been a couple of other issues that they had to fix over time. And at the end of the day, I don't know how it's all going to shake out. Maybe it's no big deal, but somehow I just don't think so. And so poor Russ is back in hot water again. If you check his Twitter thread where he announced that he was changing to the Luminary platform, it's tweet after tweet after tweet saying, fuck you, you're a shell, you're undermining your very message. And that is really the most disappointing part of Brand's move to Luminary. He's anti-capitalist. He's talked about, oh, I don't need money anymore. You know, I'm quite well off from my acting, but blah, 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 blah. I gave it all to charity. Uh, well, if that's the case, what the hell are you doing? Because you said that all you wanted to do was spread your message about meditation and yoga and spirituality. And yet now you're putting it on a platform where the poorest people can't afford to get it. And you might say, yeah, it's just like eight bucks a month or whatever it is. Yeah, fine. But um, someone who's on welfare or whatever is not going to get 
Russell Brand's message anymore. And I think that's a mistake. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be following him to Luminary. Overall, I think Russ is a pretty good egg. I think he's got good intentions, but he's essentially still a flawed human being, succumbing once again to temptation, saying to himself, oh, well, I work hard to make a podcast. I should make money out of it. And yes, I get that idea. So now he's, in, he's on Luminary. He's behind a paywall. And personally, I hope he loses a lot of his listenership because I think most of the people who really followed him and enjoyed his work will understand that this is a huge contradiction and another unfortunate backflip for him. And I suppose in a way I'm accusing Russ of being a hypocrite. And I did say that it doesn't undermine the point that he's making. The only problem is I won't be hearing the points that he makes anymore. And maybe I'm just bitter about that. I'm sorry, Russ, but if you want to spread a message of spirituality and meditation and human improvement and inspiration, don't do it from behind a paywall put in place by a corporate middleman who just wants to exploit people's creative output and may end up destroying the platform that gave you a second chance.